five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram, all those fun services and such, of course. If you'd like to, reach out to me over on Twitter, uh, send me a DM or interact with me in any way, shape, or form. I'm happy to engage with you there. Um, and of course, I'd love for you to follow the podcast. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast over on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go give us a follow there, leave a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. Now, if you're new to the show, this is normally the part where I tell you what the show looks like, but we've actually got a special announcement this week. So this week, our friends over at Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, your premier source for all things Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans, were kind enough to welcome me, your host of One Man Watchpoint, as a guest in their new segment called The Meta. So go check out Ready, Set, Pwn. Um, they're a great bunch of guys, and uh, as I mentioned there, they're a podcast primarily focused on the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. Um, if you Google Vancouver Titans podcast or Toronto Defiant podcast, they are, in fact, the number one hit that comes up. Um, so go give them a follow. They're a great bunch of guys that I've been uh, following for a while now, very interactive with their community. They've got a great community over on Discord um, and Twitter and such as well, so check them out, uh, especially to check me out on their show. Now, um, aside from that, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Normally, one of our shows looks a little something like this. We'll dive into the latest news from around the net as it relates to uh, Overwatch and the Overwatch League. Um, this week, we've got a few interesting stories, a bit of a reminder, as well as some news coming out from John Spector, uh, Vice President of the Overwatch League, of course, um, and some patch note details. Then, because we're in the off-season, we'll do our best to scratch that off-season itch by looking at the movement uh, going on in the Overwatch League in a segment we like to call the Owl Trade Tracker. So, let's jump right in. Playtime's over. All right, so into the news. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is actually more of a reminder than news per se. Um, so just a reminder that the Symmetra's Restoration Challenge is currently on right now, live in-game. Uh, started back on November 17th, and it is, of course, running until November 30th. So as of recording, you've got just under a week left to get those wins, um, to get those skins. Or, I mean, I guess there's only really one skin this time around, but... Uh, Regardless, get in there, get those wins, because uh, the skin will be going away uh, come November 30th, which I believe is next Tuesday. Monday? Tuesday. Next Monday. I was correct. So it'll be expiring on Monday. Moving on from there, uh, that was just a friendly little reminder, but the next story we've got here is quite an interesting one. If you haven't seen it, uh, the Overwatch League released an Overwatch League update video on their YouTube channel there, um, featuring one John Spector, Vice President of the Overwatch League. Uh, it's about four, four and a half minutes long, so go check it out if you haven't already. But if you're not interested, then I'll give you the rundown here. 
Um, so it basically starts off with uh, Jeff just thanking the thanking everyone, the fans, the teams, everyone who took part in the past season, um, congratulating the San Francisco Shock on becoming back-to-back winners, of course. Um, and then he dives into some fun little details about the 2021 season. So a few of the things he talks about, he doesn't really truly give much in way of specifics, but he talks about things in kind of a conceptual way um, that does give us hints at what things will look like. So the first thing he mentions there is that the 2021 season will be starting in spring. Um, He specifically talks about how this gives them more time. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I mean, certainly don't expect anything in February because that would technically still be winter. Uh, A lot of people, I think, were hoping for maybe more of a March, end of March uh, start. But given that he specifies spring and talks about how much more time it's going to give the team, I don't think we're going to see anything anywhere truly anywhere near March. Um, You know, spring obviously would be April, May, June. Um, And honestly, it seems an awful lot like uh, they're looking at that Overwatch 1 release window kind of thing. Um, So I would expect May sometime. Could be end of April. I think if we're lucky, it'll be end of April. But this obviously hints at uh, a few other little things that I'll talk about in a minute here. So specifically, he mentioned spring, and then he uh, talks about it just giving the teams uh, involved more time to plan, a lot more time to deal with the logistics of what the world will look like and what the league will look like by then. Um, specifically, I think, you know, although he doesn't really name it, but uh, specifically he's referring to the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously, and travel restrictions and things like that, um, that obviously we saw took their toll on this past season. Uh, Certainly wasn't a normal season and certainly wasn't the season that uh, everyone was promised when we thought that teams would be, you know, traveling around the world and having actual live events and homestands and things like that. So continuing on from there, John talks about tournaments returning. Um, he outlines that things will be similar to the way this, uh, the latter half of this past season went, um, you know, maybe with some slight changes, some s- slight tweaks to make them a little, even a little better than I think they, uh, they were, although they were widely regarded as quite fun and quite a good way to sort of reinvigorate the, uh, the league and the season as a whole, I think. Um, but obviously, you know, that shows that they're listening, right? They, they kind of saw that, after things went off the rails with uh, with the pandemic and games being canceled and events being canceled and things like that, um, they you know they certainly took a little bit of time to adapt, implementing tournament structures and things like that. Um, which I mean, hey, they're they're a large multi million dollar organization. Um, you know, certainly they're not going to turn on a dime. So I think in in large part the fan base was maybe a little hypercritical of how that whole process went. They obviously eventually kind of figured it out with uh, the tournament structure that they went with and everything. Um, And like I say, John hints that that will be coming back um, in a very similar way. He also mentions that they'll be building the whole season around that format, which again, you know, lends further credence to the fact that I think they they realize they kind of struck gold with uh, the fans and probably the players and coaches and staff um, and organization as a whole. Uh, once they kind of really figured out that tournament structure that they wanted to use. So good to see that. Happy to hear that's coming back because I think certainly in my books, the uh, the tournaments were, were really exciting and a, a great way to kind of uh, break up the season a little bit, give, give a sense of, you know, you're actually playing for something rather than 
a spot in the in the final uh, final tournament, I guess, the grand finals tournament. Now, at the same time, obviously, he didn't go into more specifics than that regarding the tournaments, but I do wonder what they're going to do around playoffs, just because this pastime, uh, as we all know, they actually had, you know, every team had the chance to make it into the grand finals uh, tournament, which was held in South Korea. And of course, that did definitely, I think, rub some people the wrong way. I, I certainly don't think you would have, you know, I don't think anyone would have said that, oh, you know, bottom teams are going to suddenly be making a run for the top. Now, obviously, there's something to be said about, uh, you know, Boston got a few unexpected wins there. Might have just been one. I think it was two. And then, of course, um, uh, Washington and their, you know, not quite Cinderella story or Cinderella run through the 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 first sort of uh, chunk of the playoffs there as well um, does say something about things, but I think that also says a little bit more about um, about the meta and uh, the ability to for teams to adapt to the meta. So, anyways, exciting to see tournaments coming back, um, and I'm excited to hear more about how they'll actually work, how they'll seed for things like the grand finals tournament and everything like that. Now, uh, John also talked about expecting two regions again similar to the past season so he didn't name them again he's you know very very uh general terms we're talking in here but he did say there will likely be two regions again similar to the past season so of course we saw the north american region and then we saw the apac region um it certainly will be very interesting to see what that actually pans out as i think that also kind of says that there's likely going to well I would imagine they're planning for a lot of online play and not a lot of in-person play, which really is too bad. But at the same time, obviously, it's uh, likely the best safety measure we can uh, we are going to get right now. So I would assume you'll see uh, teams like London playing in the APAC region again, even if London is switching over to a more European-centric roster like they've uh, talked about, like um, Nuki has talked about, you know, pretty publicly already um and that'll be interesting certainly with with some of the changes that shanghai's making um i mean obviously a team like hangzhou has been uh shaping up quite nicely in this offseason making quite a few changes um so certainly it's it's going to be a competitive region um i would i would say what is yet to be determined though is exactly uh oh i'd say there's a lot of question around that apac region mostly because of the rumors of uh, New York returning to the North American region, which obviously does make sense for New York to be in that region, um, given their geographic location and everything. But it does mean that the APAC region would only have six teams. And obviously the rumor that I've talked about on a previous episode was that uh, the APAC region would be pulling from some contenders teams to play in tournaments and things like that. So again, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but... It sounds to me like if they are expecting two regions like this in a similar fashion, um, they might have to make some changes around the APAC region specifically, uh, just again, based on the rumors that we know. So take that with a grain of salt. But Moving on from there, John also talked about the end of season playoffs and finals being similar uh, in that they will likely be in one single place. So again, you know, assuming nothing catastrophic happens, which... Hey, now that we've uh, survived 2020 thus far, I think uh, nobody will will place bets against another catastrophe, uh, worldwide catastrophe, that is. But 
um, they did say that they're going to try and play the finals in one sing singular place. They said they will be, quote, bringing teams together. So I guess they didn't specify one singular place, but it sounds to me an awful lot like that's exactly what they're going to try and do, uh, something very similar to what we saw with, uh, I believe it was the top four teams in this past season's grand finals. So hopefully that'll pan out um and you know what honestly hopefully there will be even less restrictions than this past season maybe if things are in a place like korea um you know there there are rumors that some of some countries that have a little bit of a better handle on COVID 19 than maybe uh a lot of north america including the united states and canada there is talk that some of them might be allowing live events again um and sort of more public gathering style things so hey, maybe we'll at least get grand grand finals in South Korea uh, next year with, um, with a live audience, which certainly would be very exciting. Now then, uh, that's about all John Spector had to say about the 2021 season, sort of uh, the actual season. So that's lots of, lots of good stuff there, lots of interesting stuff there. And again, still uh, one little tidbit that I'll touch on just after I mention this stuff here. He also talked a little bit about some of the offseason leading up to uh, the start of the season. So he mentioned that there will be an offseason tournament series as well. Um, and then shortly after that, he talked about uh, in February, we of course have BlizzCon Line, which is Blizzard's um, online convention. Uh, previously, obviously, BlizzCon, which was uh, live and took place in, I believe, Anaheim, California every year. Anaheim? Was it Anaheim? I'm not sure. It might have been LA, but I digress. Um, so essentially, he talked about an off-season tournament, then he talked about BlizzCon Line. So I'm not sure if these are one and the same, but, you know, I'll talk about it. Um, so specifically talking about BlizzCon Line, he mentioned that they're planning an event called Shock versus the World, which will, of course, feature uh, uh, many many names from the Overwatch League facing off against some of the San Francisco Shock um, in a, quote, series of Overwatch-related challenges. So who knows what that means? Obviously, that could mean many different things. Um, as we've seen from the All-Star Games, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another Widowmaker 1v1 tournament, although hopefully they'll refine things a little bit because uh, some of it was certainly a little dull last time around. Um, we might see some mini Overwatch again, as we saw in the... Uh, in the All-Stars games, um, which I think was a lot of fun and ultimately chaos. And then hopefully, you know, I hopefully I would love to see something like an All-Star team versus the San Francisco Shock. Now, obviously there's some logistics around that, around practicing, scheduling, and scrimming, and everything like that beforehand so they could really prepare. But wouldn't it be exciting to see the San Francisco Shock lineup from uh, seasons past face off against some of the top talent from all of the other teams, not just, you know, the top talent from uh, uh, Shanghai or the top talent from uh, Seoul or something like that or Philly. Not just one team is what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be nice or exciting to see a master all-star team against the current two-time defending champions, the San Francisco Shock, of course. So, so that's all the real info that John Spector gave us about uh, the 2021 season. So lots of stuff there, obviously uh, lots of good stuff there, lots of interesting stuff. He also had some little uh, funny little ha-has in the background of his video on a whiteboard and 
and uh, an Overwatch League 2021 script or something like that, V1 sitting in the background. So go check out the video because it's got a few cute little things like that. Now, this the thing that I wanted to speculate on here, obviously I've done a little bit of speculating so far, but the timing of all of what he's talking about is very interesting and very much cause for speculation because... Uh, he mentions a start in spring, which gives teams more time to plan and time to deal with logistics. Now, obviously, that relates directly to the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, that relates directly to countries, rules and well, countries and states and provinces, etc. Rules and regulations around, you know, social distancing and live events and tournaments and things like that. But what this also largely hints at is logistics in how Overwatch 1 is going to tie into Overwatch 2. I think in large part, um, you know, just looking at us, we're in November now. So February is four short months away, which is when BlizzCon Line is. I am wondering if that means at BlizzCon Line, when they have, you know, some of these uh, Shock versus the World, and they obviously are, I'm certain they will have an Overwatch League panel, so my thought is we're actually going to get a release date at BlizzCon Line, which I think, uh, you know, we got the reveal last year. Obviously, BlizzCon was, I believe BlizzCon was canceled this year, so 2020. Um, and they obviously didn't show off anything there. So I'm hoping things have just been, you know, stewing in the pot. And uh, come February 19th, 20th, when BlizzCon Line is... I'm really crossing my fingers that we get a nice uh, Overwatch panel, maybe an Overwatch League panel, and of course we get that that announcement of uh, the release date. And then obviously that release date could very well play into the start of this, the 2021 Owl season. Um, it sure would be quite the event if you release the game and, you know, Maybe the first weekend, if the game comes out on a Tuesday, just because a lot of video games come out on Tuesdays, maybe that first weekend or even the second weekend out there, uh, there's a big uh, the kickoff to the Overwatch League season. And of course, you know they currently promote the Overwatch League in game a little bit, not not a ton, um, certainly more than you know a lot of other games with esports components do. So they could definitely tie in the the kickoff to the 2021 season into the actual game and uh, really give a big push to, to gain some new audience there. Um, certainly, you know, uh, Overwatch came out in 2016, so it's been, well, I mean, it's been four years. It will have been the five-year anniversary in, I believe, May 24th is when the game launched. Um, so the fact that that time gap has passed, I mean, you've got, like, you know, let's just do some simple math. You've got 10-year-olds who will be becoming 15-year-olds that's likely right in their target demographic. You know, you've got eight-year-olds who will be becoming 13-year-olds. And I believe the game is rated T for teen, uh, at least in Canada, which places it right in that 13-plus range. So certainly I think you could be looking at building a uh, strategic audience there if you uh, time your launch right around the, uh, the... or time the season start right around the launch of the game. So... Exciting speculation there, but of course, it is just speculation, as I always say. So, that's all we got, or that's most of what we got anyways, from the Overwatch League update with featuring John Spector, Vice President of the Overwatch League. Um, if you're interested, like I say, go go check out the video. Um, if not, if if anything, just for the little, little uh, ha-has in the background kind of thing. Now then, moving on from there. 
Um, the next fun story I have, and of course this is actually our last news story of the week, uh, and it's very minor. Just threw it in there because uh, I do think it's important this week. We've got some more patch notes. So I am pulling from an article by Liz Richardson on DottieSports.com, but I'm just going to read some of the details of the patch notes here. Um, like I say, a lot of more minor changes, um, but at the same time, you know, there's some some quality of life stuff that I think people will be glad to see. So first things first, support hero changes. On a biotic grenade now passes through allies with full health. So obviously that's an exciting one because that literally changes... Uh, <laughs> Not entirely her biotic grenade, but it sure makes it significantly easier to uh, properly uh, place her biotic grenade, you know, as Liz outlines in her article here. Um, it's definitely not uncommon as an Ana player to be, you know, to see one of your teammates up ahead and trying to either throw a biotic grenade uh, over to the enemy team and your teammate just steps one step in the wrong direction and takes your grenade even though he's at full health kind of thing um but this will obviously make it so that is no longer a problem so exciting stuff there next up from there is of course the uh i mean hey they buffed brigitte so or brigitta so of course they have to now nerf her base health reduction from 175 to 150 so obviously this had a lot of people screaming uh in the previous patch which i believe we covered last week where they uh, gave her a slight health buff, and uh, Brigitte was finally playable again. You know, I actually had a, uh, a lot of fun playing her, and, you know, obviously I'm in competitive-wise, I'm in the lower ranks there, so I certainly didn't mind uh, hopping on her, and, you know, in a lot of ways, I think players weren't really expecting the return of Brigitte, so she definitely was able to tank it out quite nicely, and uh, if teams weren't prepared to deal with her, then guess what? They just didn't, and you could wreck shop, but obviously... Uh, Blizzard not happy with that, or Overwatch not happy with that, so they nerfed her again. So she's back to 150 health. Moira, Biotic Grasp Healing Resource Consumption Rate lowered from 14 to 12.5. Um, so here they've actually got a direct quote from the developers that I'm just going to read. Moira could use a small bump in healing efficiency after recent changes made maintaining her high healing output more challenging. Um, so essentially what they're saying there is, you know, there was with some of the changes that they had made to Moira to make her more, uh, more, a little more difficult to play. Um, you definitely had to balance out her healing versus her uh, damage, whatever it's called, her deadly grasp thing where, you know, she, she sucks the life out of people in order to build up that healing uh, bar and then be able to dole out the healing. So essentially they're just making it a little bit more balanced there. Um, where her healing uses that that resource a little less quickly. That's it for support, and there are no tank changes seemingly. So moving on from there, we have damage hero changes, which again, more quality of life stuff, although certainly there could be some strategic use to them. First one, Hanzo storm arrows can now be manually canceled. Um, not much to say there. Obviously, you would have kind of thought that from initiation you could always do that, but hey, you couldn't. May, Ice Wall, can now be manually destroyed while dead. Again, you know, the kind of thing that isn't going to make a huge impact, but hey, if May throws out an Ice Wall and then dies, maybe she wants to cancel it right away. There you go, now she can. Symmetra, Teleporter can now be manually destroyed while dead. A very similar thing. Um, Symmetra Teleporters obviously are more often than not used uh, just simply to cover ground. So that one, I think, won't be too impactful, certainly. 
And then finally, uh, last but not least, Torbjorn turrets can now be manually destroyed while dead. Again, Torbjorn turrets, you know, typically as a Torbjorn player, you're not going to be destroying your turret. You want to let the other team focus on destroying the turret themselves. But hey, maybe you want to move it after you've died and you're going to put it somewhere else. So maybe you destroy it while you're dead. So that's all we have this week for news stuffs. Now, I do actually this week have a required reading. Um, So this is a segment that I don't often do, uh, but if I do come across an article that's not so much news, but more of just an interesting read, maybe it's an opinion piece, maybe it's editorial, um, then I will highlight it here. I won't read you all of it. I'll just read you sort of the intro paragraph. And then of course, I will recommend that you go seek this out. So this is an article from Sebastian Romero on GG Recon, and it reads like this. Overwatch League's last men standing. Of the 100 players confirmed to have spots on an Overwatch League roster for its fourth season, only 21 of them were players that were signed during the league's start in 2018. A fact that's even more intriguing is that among those 21 players, currently only four of them are members of the franchise they had originally signed with. That's right, with the departure of Sabiolbi and Libero from the New York Excelsior this past week and Super's future with the shock being publicly unknown, only four players remain on the rosters they belong to since day one of the Overwatch League. So go check this out. Um, Like I say, it's an interesting read posted uh, just a couple days ago, Friday maybe, November 21st, which was uh, Saturday actually. Um, by Sebastian Romero, and he just kind of, you know, highlights uh, a, a lot of sort of the league history, you know, looks back and reflects on on these players and the teams uh, that they originally signed with, and and I guess in a lot of ways their strengths, their weaknesses, and, and how far they've come. So interesting stuff. Go find that article and check it out for sure. And now that we're done that, we're actually going to move into uh, probably one of my favorite sections, the Owl Trade Tracker. There's no stopping me. All right, everybody, strap in, because this week we've got some exciting moves to talk about. Um, So I'll mention this as I do most weeks. Uh, I am, of course, using a trade tracker from Liz Richardson on DottieSports.com. Um, Now, I have noticed again that there are a few things that aren't necessarily on here for one reason or another. I'm not sure if they just get missed or or what it is, but if I do miss anything, I apologize. And if you'd like to hear me talk about anything that I do miss, um, or if you'd just like to hear me talk about any of these uh, in a little more detail, then hit me up on Twitter at SirDRJM, and of course, I will be happy to do that. Um, And I'll do my research as well, as long as you give me enough time before I record the the show. Sorry. I'll look at a, uh, look into the player or the trade or retirement or whatever happened, and hopefully I'll be able to, you know, shed some light on what exactly has happened there. So let's start off here. Um, last week I ended off on November fourteenth with uh, a few interesting things, you know, Dallas and XE, as well as I think there were there were three or so stories. I think Aztec coming to the Toronto Defiant. Um, and a few others there. Uh, I noticed that those are mostly going to come up here in the days following that on this trade tracker. So when I get to them, I'll get to them. And of course, I'm going to go into some of these and talk in a little bit more detail than others, but uh, we'll do that as we come across them. So first things first, I'm starting on November 15th with the Hangzhou Spark adding off tank. I believe it's pronounced Liege. It might be Liege. Um, 
I, I don't have a ton to say about that one, just purely based on the fact that I don't follow Hangzhou too much. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, they're signing a lot of players these days coming up from contenders leagues, which I also don't follow too closely either. So apologies there. That said, um, Hangzhou Spark making a ton of changes this season. And from everything I have read about them, um, you know, they're definitely one to watch. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of team synergy they can build amongst their players and everything because they are bringing in a lot of uh, new pieces. Moving on from there, November 16th, Hangzhou Spark also add flex support McD to their roster. Um, now this one is one that I have already looked into just a little bit and I've heard a lot of good things. Um, Pretty much every Overwatch podcast or Overwatch League podcast and uh, whatever news source that I follow thinks this is a pretty huge pickup. Um, if you go to the Hangzhou Sparks Twitter there, you can actually see a, uh, you know, I mean, it's a highlight reel, so of course it's going to show him at his best, but uh, you can go check out a nice little highlight reel of him playing uh, some of those flex support roles. Very interesting stuff. Moving on to November 16th. This is a big one. There's a ton of stuff here. November 17th, Toronto Defiant signs Flex Support Park Aztec Jiangsu. Um, this one is a bit of a big deal. I think this was the first uh, uh, Contenders League pickup that they've brought in. And this one, I think, pretty clearly shows in a lot of ways the direction, or at least the start of the direction that uh, KDG in the head coach role is moving. Um, I think certainly people were a little confused when they when they kept Logics and then they re-signed Beast after some, you know, contract, whatever, negotiations. Um, I think people were in large part saying, oh, so they're going to either go with a Western roster, they're going to go with a mixed roster. Um, and then Aztec coming in, I think, seems to confirm that mixed roster uh, build. However, as we'll see in a little bit, it almost looks like they're leaning more towards the Korean side of things, which I wonder how much of an influence on that KDG has. I mean, I think he certainly has a large influence on that, but I do wonder if maybe the the organization wasn't it wasn't set in stone that KDG would be coming and so they they signed some of these players, you know, not necessarily with uh not without but not with his blessing kind of thing. Now at the same time, I also wonder if someone like Logics and someone like Beast are being signed more in a lot of ways as the sort of air quotes uh, faces of the organization. Um, just given the Canadian audience and uh, the Canadian market and everything, I think certainly they would they would do well to have some players that kind of um, you know uh, know that audience and can integrate well with them. Um, which isn't to say that the Korean players or uh, otherwise can't. It's just simply to say that, you know, that's a barrier that we've seen in places, um, obviously, like the Vancouver uh, Titans. So enough on Aztec for now, because that wasn't really about Aztec, and that was more just about the Toronto Defiant as a whole. But happy to see some new faces coming into uh, Toronto, and not just new to, uh, to the team or the organization, but new to the league, obviously. Moving on from there, London Spitfire releases off-tank Bernard and main support Sanguinar. Um, interesting ones here, but not entirely unseen, of course. Um, as we know, and as I talked about earlier in the show, obviously, uh, Nuki, the new uh, general manager of the London Spitfire, uh, she has been on uh, a few different podcasts and done some interviews um, and talked pretty openly about moving towards a more European-centric roster. So... I digress. Seems like that is certainly the truth. 
Next up, Chengdu Hunters release Support Kyo and Lengsa. They join Chengdu's academy team, Team Chaser. Um, so a bit of an interesting one there just because they're not, you know, they're obviously not re-signing them to their team, but they are allowing them that sort of air quotes freedom to move down to the academy team uh team chaser which i didn't know Chengdu had an academy team but there you go um and that's that's obviously interesting because it does free up those roster slots but then it also keeps them involved with the organization and in a lot of ways more importantly with the league as a whole um you know obviously we saw someone like uh car car i believe come up from the atlanta academy to the vancouver titans um you know obviously playing for uh uh, third impact and everything like that in between, but I digress. Um, but anyways, interesting stuff there because I do think it shows a level of support that, you know, you're not necessarily seeing from a lot of other teams, maybe in some cases simply due to the fact that there is no academy team for them to go to. Uh, but also I think in a lot of ways, because there isn't necessarily an infrastructure um, in place for those sort of two-way roles, whereas in something like a traditional sports league, um, specifically like uh, the NHL, you do see two-way contracts where a player can essentially be bumped down to the, and I mean, in my case where I'm from, the AHL to play from the, uh, the farm team, so to speak. Um, so it would be nice to see that infrastructure in place in something like the Overwatch League, but obviously we're probably many ways, or many ways, many years away from that being a reality. So uh, more Chengdu news, also on November 17th, Chengdu main support Iveltol. Iveltol. I, I know how to say that, but I, it never comes out right. So anyways, and off-tank, Late Young will be two-way players in 2021. So there you go. That's <laughs> quite literally what I was just talking about. Um, the, the difference from the point above that being uh, Kyo and Lengza are going to the... Uh, academy team and will stay there whereas the other two that i just mentioned um will have that two-way option so they'll essentially be able to call them up uh to the chengdu hunters if needed now it's interesting because i know in the nhl there's usually rules and restrictions around how often or when or how much notice i think um but you know i don't know too too much about that so i'll just drop it there Still November 17th, Shanghai Dragons signed former Atlanta Reign DPS Erster. Um, this one, you know, I've, I've during this season, I had ragged on the Atlanta Reign a little bit for, um, you know, in that I just didn't really like them as a whole. Now, that said, uh, that's nothing against any of the players because I think certainly, especially towards the end of the season there, some of the players definitely stepped up and showed a level of... Uh, of skill that I think for whatever reason they had been missing before. Um, you always, in my opinion, you always kind of got the feeling that the Atlanta Rangers never took themselves too seriously, but they never took themselves seriously enough. And that's kind of why they found themselves in the situation they did, um, being that sort of gatekeeper, but never rising to the occasion to beat any of those uh, higher level teams. That said, Erster was certainly... Um, a player that I think when he came to Atlanta, we all expected to see him pop off, and then we just didn't see too, too much of him. So a player like Erster going to the Shanghai Dragons, hopefully, fingers crossed, means we'll get to see some sick Erster action coming up. Finally, last point for November 17th, uh, more Hangzhou Spark news adds main tank Takoyaki, which again, another one that I've heard of, but this time only in passing, so I won't say too much there. Next up, November 18th, New York Excelsior drops DPS 
Libero, Sabiolbi, and Main Support Animo. Now this one, I'm actually going to pull up an article, and uh, just because it links right to it, this is from Liz Richardson, and I'm just going to read a little snippet here. It says, NYXL drops Libero, Sabiolbi, and Animo. For longtime fans of the Overwatch League, the offseason may hurt more than usual today. The New York Excelsior announced that it's dropping DPS players Libero and Sabiolbi, as well as main support Animo. All three players had been with the NYXL since the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. Sabiolbi and Libero were part of the original Excelsior roster introduced to fans in late 2017. Throughout the inaugural season of the league, both players quickly managed to impress fans with their immense skill and big personalities. Sabiolbi's immaculate tracer paired with Libero's flexible, adaptable hero pool. Well, that's, that's an interesting sentence. That's not quite a sentence. Anyways, Animo joined the NYXL in March 2018, taking over some main support duties as the inaugural season progressed. Over the next two years, Animo served as the starting main support for the Excelsior. For many fans of the team, these drops may come as a surprise. The last two seasons have been a struggle for the New York Excelsior, but the team continually relied on the star power and clutch potential of those original players, especially Libero and Sabiolbi. NYXL team manager Kim Nugget Johan explained in a Twitter post how much of a toll the 2020 season took on them. After the COVID-19 crisis hit New York, the team moved back to South Korea to join the Asia-Pacific region of the Overwatch League. Quote, sadly, despite all the efforts we put into this season, we ran into a wall, Nugget said. Nugget, Nugget, probably Nugget said. At time of writing, the only player remaining on the New York Excelsior's roster is 2018 League MVP, Jonak. <clears throat> now, I wanted to read that because uh, this one actually ties nicely into that required reading that I mentioned there from GG Recon. Um, because... Uh, you know, those New York players, that New York lineup, uh, certainly a sort of mainstay of the Overwatch League. Um, definitely something that, you know, uh, a lot of people will miss. And a team that a lot of people had grown to know and love and support over uh, over the past few seasons. So certainly sad to see them go. But at the same time, I think in a lot of ways, New York has been one of those teams that, although pretty consistently good, you know, good, not great. Um, they've also been consistently not uh, in the very top performers, right? Um, they've certainly, like I say, been good and they've been up there, but they haven't quite been able to make things happen um, in the way that a team like that uh, you would hope. So anyways, that's it for the New York Excelsior as we know them. Um, and there is a little bit more about the New York Excelsior coming up here, but I will talk about that when I get there. Next up, still new, uh, November 18th, Washington Justice drops Flex Support Aim God, DPS Stitch, and Off Tank Janu. Now, this one, obviously, a bit of a bit of a disappointing one for us Vancouver Titans fans for the simple fact of, you know, uh, I think in large part we all would have liked to see many of these uh, former Vancouver Titans get re-signed or find homes. Um, and it seems like now that they've all been split up and scattered to the wind, it certainly seems like uh, that might not happen. Obviously, we know that someone like Hacksaw is retiring. Um, you'll find out shortly here that uh, Slime is not, uh, well, Soul Dynasty is parting ways with Slime. Um, and then, like I say, uh, Stitch is being dropped from Washington, and Janu is also being dropped from Washington. So tough times for uh, fans of the former Vancouver Titans and even more former uh, Runaways crew that seems to be uh, dissipating 
in the uh, in the off season here. Although, as we will talk about shortly here, not all bad news. But I digress. Oh, actually, I'm about to talk about it right now. November 19th, Hangzhou Spark sign Off Tank Bernar, who we talked about earlier, and DPS Soman Su. So that's why I say not all sad, not all sad Soman Su on the Vancouver Titans runaway side of things, because of course Soman Su making his return to the league, um, certainly one that I think probably surprised a lot of people. Um, I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, when everything happened with the Vancouver Titans and they imploded, I think Soman Su was one of the players that said he would be um, taking a break, but he did want to return to the league, and uh, you know, hopefully that break did him some good, and obviously as it would seem. Uh, it has put him in the right mindset to come back. So he's now been signed with the Hangzhou Spark. Um, so yay, we'll at least see Soman Su next season. Um, my big hope, honestly, is that we see Slime come back because I think Slime would be a real shame to lose. Um, although, you know, among all the other players, because they're all, they're all great in my books. Um, and obviously we still have Twilight on the San Francisco Shock for now. So another one that I'm like, yeah, we, we want to see Twilight do well, so. Anyways, moving on from there, Washington Justice adds flex support Bebe, Toronto Defiant signs main support and Sunjay, Los Angeles Valiant sign off tank Adam. I believe he goes by Adam, although it's not actually listed here, it just has his name. Um, so a couple interesting ones there, Washington Justice signing a flex support Bebe, uh, Washington looking like they are flexing a bit. Um, you know, they're making a lot of signings that have built them quite the roster, especially coming off of last season, uh, where they certainly weren't all that impressive for the most part. Um, then we had Toronto there with Ansun Jae, another KDG pickup uh, from Contenders Korea, I believe. So again, uh, looking like things are leaning more towards that all-Korean, or not all-Korean, because obviously we know some of the roster, but that Korean-focused roster. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the team shakes out there. Uh, we've still got a little bit of Toronto talk to talk about still. And then, of course, Los Angeles Valiant signing Adam. Um, I believe he is from Australia, I think is what I saw. Um, so other than that, I don't really know too much about him, but I wanted to talk about it just briefly here because uh, Los Angeles Valiant, pretty quiet these days. I don't think we've had a lot of announcements or heard a lot from them. So good to see them coming back into the fray at least a little bit. November 20th, Chengdu Hunters again coming up, adding DPS players Jimmy and Kaneki. Um, again, Honestly, I actually had not heard a thing about Chengdu, so these are all surprises to me. But uh, hey, I know nothing about those players, but yay, let's clap for Chengdu. Moving on from there, still November 20th, Seoul Dynasty parts ways with DPS Illicit, off-tank Michelle, flex support Bedosin, and main support Slime. So again, this is, this is a bit of a... In, in my books, this is a bit of a sad one, just because the Seoul Dynasty obviously having some great success this past season, um, you know, placing second overall, uh, taking the San Francisco Shock to six maps, um, you know, I think overall impressing people in that grand finals uh, playoff tournament, um, and certainly upsetting some some big names like the Shanghai Dragons. But at the same time, I think they, they likely looked at the landscape and said, we can't, uh, you know, remain complacent. We're not going to be successful if we just stick with the same roster. So in a lot of ways, Seoul uh, blowing it up here. Um, like I mentioned before, although certainly it'd be nice to see a lot of these players get signed other places, um, and some of them we will talk about shortly here. Um, 
I'm really pulling for main support there. Slime to picks, uh, get picked up somewhere, but uh, I think there's a number of places he could fit in, so I, I have faith. Moving on from there, Washington Justice sign main support closer. Again, Washington making big moves and setting themselves up for success. Next up, November 21st. Here we go again. Washington Justice signs off-tank Fury. Um, so here we go. Like I say, Washington just keeps on keeps on making changes um, or keeps on making big signings, if you will. Um, but this one, a little bit more interesting than some of the other ones because uh, Fury, a veteran of the league, um, who spent his first two seasons with the London Spitfire before moving to the Philadelphia Fusion for this past season. Um, so obviously, you know, Philadelphia has also been making some moves and in a lot of ways, some surprising moves. Um, I don't think I necessarily would have seen them releasing Fury, but they did. Uh, pardon me. And now, obviously, Washington scooping them up. So good stuff there. Next up, still on November 21st, Toronto Defiant signs main tank Sado. So here we go, boys. Let's rock and roll uh, because Sado coming over to Toronto, a huge pickup uh, from the Philadelphia Fusion. And of course, this directly hints, uh, not directly, um, but this is a direct result in my mind of KDG coming over to Toronto, again, from the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, so obviously we're connecting some dots here and we're seeing a lot of these players that had some really, really great success under KDG in the Philadelphia organization, now coming over to Toronto, um, you know, in a lot of ways, following their, uh, their head coach there, um, which again, not something that's necessarily unheard of, something we've definitely seen uh, if you look at a place like Dallas, um, with all of the Paris players that have been migrating over to the Dallas Fuel. So exciting to see that huge pickup for Toronto and uh, definitely um, big reason to be excited for Toronto fans. So exciting stuff there. And as you will also find out, not the last time we will talk about Toronto here. Still November 21st, London Spitfire releases DPS Glister. Um, this is actually one that I won't talk too much on just because I don't follow Glister too, too much. But Glister, I would actually love to see come to a place like Toronto. Um, although certainly uh, there's nothing to indicate that, at least not to my knowledge. But I would really appreciate that. And I think he could really complement the DPS lineup that they're building there, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute here. Going on from there, November 22nd, Washington Justice signs off-tank Rhea. Um, so this one, a bit of an interesting one. Um, you know, uh, Fury joined the team the day before, obviously, and then Rhea steps in as well, uh, joining former teammate Bebe as well. So lots of reason. Again, you know, Washington certainly one to watch out for. Um I, I would honestly say that, you know, if, if there were three teams that come to mind that have, are seemingly building really strong, really competitive rosters, just purely based on things we already know and things like that, um, it's going to be Washington, it's going to be uh, the Dallas Fuel, and it's largely going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um, although Gladiators are a bit more of an unknown there, but with a signing like Moth and, and some of the moves they've been making, I believe they picked up Shoe recently. Um, It'll be really interesting to see what those teams can do. Now, not to be outdone, obviously, um, 
another one of those that I think rivals those those three in terms of teams to keep an eye on is definitely Toronto. But hey, again, again, we'll talk about them in a minute here. Still November 22nd, the Chengdu Hunters add main support Nisha. Um, again, I know nothing of Chengdu, so let's move on. November 23rd. Oh, man. <laughs> Two really exciting signings here. Um, and I remember watching, the, I mean, it happened like literally yesterday. So I was on Twitter when it happened, and I was watching it closely. Um, and it was certainly quite the exchange to see. So it first started with, uh, the Philadelphia Fusion releasing DPS Hisu from their lineup, which was a big deal. Um, you know, definitely had a very successful season with the Philadelphia Fusion. Although I myself had personally been a little bit critical of the Ivy and Hisu DPS lineup. That's not to say they were bad in any way, shape, or form. Um, I just thought that Philadelphia could maybe make some changes on their DPS line. Um, but I digress because... No sooner did Philadelphia release Hisu than did Toron the Toronto Defiant announce that they were adding Hisu to their DPS lineup. So again, of course, following KDG, um, just like uh, we just talked about with Sato, uh, the two will play together again um, and join the uh, already announced roster with Aztec, Unsunjay, uh, Logix, and Beast. But certainly Toronto, like I say, probably a close third maybe still a little bit in fourth place for that, you know, teams to watch kind of list, but definitely making moves and definitely building something uh, that hopefully will be exciting to watch this next season. Now then, as all of that was happening, so first we have the Philadelphia Fusion uh, announcing they're releasing Hisu or uh, Hisu's leaving the team. Then we have the Toronto Defiant announcing that they have signed Hisu as their new DPS lineup. Then... In maybe what was the biggest surprise of them all, although I'll be honest, I had heard in the rumor mill uh, as as early on as Saturday. So yesterday when all of this went down would have been Monday, so I had heard about it a few days before. The Philadelphia Fusion sign Nicholas Shockwave Schmidt Jensen. So I'm going to read a little bit here from uh, .esports.com, Liz Richardson's article, because this is linked in the trade tracker. Here we go. Philadelphia Fusion signs DPS Shockwave. The Philadelphia Fusion's DPS lineup is getting a little more stacked for the 2021 season. Former Vancouver Titans Flex DPS Shockwave has joined the Fusion for the next for next year, the Overwatch League team announced today. During the 2020 season, Shockwave served as the Vancouver Titans clutch DPS player. He was added to the team mid-season after the organization's owners dropped the previous roster to go for a full Western setup. Before joining the Overwatch League, Shockwave played for Overwatch contenders teams like Raspberry Racers and Montreal Rebellion. Philadelphia already has a talented DPS squad led by 2020 MVP candidate and perpetual hitscan carry Carpe. The team also officially re-signed EQO after dropping the flex DPS earlier in the offseason. Philadelphia has not yet announced the status of Hisu, but it, oh, <laughs> but he's listed as part of the Fusion's 2021 roster according to the Overwatch League contract status update. So obviously we know that changes. Despite a successful performance in 2020, including a place in the grand finals bracket, the Fusion hasn't been shy about reconstruction. The team added former San Francisco Shock coach 9K as its head coach last month. 9K had a hand in surprising signings like the acquisition of main tank Mono from the New York Excelsior. So um, I actually, I had completely forgotten that 9K was uh, went from the Shock to the Fusion. So really interesting to see this move, 
because obviously um, as everyone, literally everyone, literally anyone who's anyone who had followed the Vancouver Titans, who had followed the league, even in the slightest, could have told you um, Shockwave was the one... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this without insulting the other players, but the one piece of the Vancouver Titans that if they were willing to, they could not afford to lose. If they weren't willing to, hopefully they were able to uh, to to move in some form of a deal kind of thing, which I don't actually know if that's how the Overwatch League works. But um, I digress. Shockwave, probably the biggest chip on the board that San Francisco had. And he's now going to an organization like the San Francisco, uh, sorry, like the Philadelphia Fusion with a um, head coach like 9K. Just absolutely bonkers. Um, this guy, obviously, we saw him pop off with the Vancouver Titans at times um, with an organization like Philadelphia behind him and with a coach like, uh, like 9K. And, you know, with, uh, as that article pointed out there, 2020 MVP candidate and perpetual hit scan carry Carpe with someone like Carpe, you know, to in a lot of ways mentor or or just help raise up this you know young and upcoming uh, DPS star. I think Shockwave is not to be undersold, and certainly he's he's got a ways to go. But under the tutelage of the organization that he's now with, and all those people and players I just mentioned, uh, this is this is going to be big not just for Philadelphia, like, I don't know that we'll see Shockwave too, too much in the upcoming season with the stacked lineup that Philadelphia already has, but hopefully Shockwave is approaching this from a mindset of, I can learn, I can develop, I can grow um, a lot under under these people. So I digress. That's enough about Shockwave um, and enough about our sad Vancouver Titans right now. The final few updates I have here, November 24th, the Houston Outlaws sign Flex Support Crimzo. Um, so that's an exciting one, just based on based on a few things. I mean, Crimzo, a bit of a fan favorite, but also the fact that he's going from Dallas to Houston um, is, is exciting. Um, everyone obviously knows the rivalry that Houston and Dallas share. Um, so to see a player uh, like Crimzo go from... Uh, Dallas direct to his direct competitor um, is nothing short of an FU to the Dallas organization, if you ask me. And then maybe maybe one of the best parts of this, if you look at his Twitter, actually, um, not only has he obviously shed the Dallas uh, branding already and moved to the Outlaws branding, um, Crimzo actually one of the first things he tweeted after I'm I'm guessing after it was announced, hopefully after it was announced. Uh, was thank you at Dallas Fuel for giving me the experience and knowledge that I will now use to crush you next season. Hashtag anti up. Um, so a lot of a lot of fun being poked there uh, by Crimzo. There were actually a fair number of rumors that Crimzo might be coming to the Vancouver Titans um, simply based on the fact that uh, he is a proud, well, I don't know if he's proud, but he's a Canadian player in the Overwatch League and obviously Vancouver heavily rumored to be looking a lot more for uh, Canadian talent to build themselves around. Um, but hey, I digress. Uh, exciting to see him moving over to Houston. And and like I say, a lot of good natured fun there. And of course, uh, the last up, uh, second last update we have here, the last update we have on the actual tracker reads November 24th, Toronto Defiant signs off tank Michelle. Um, so again, Toronto, uh, one of the teams that's been coming up a lot lately, you know, up there with Washington and everything, just in terms of their 
the amount of time they're spending in the news there. Um, Michelle coming over from the Seoul Dynasty. So uh, good for him. Uh, always exciting and that kind of thing. Um, and of course, nice to see Toronto fleshing things out even further um, and, and building that roster that hopefully we'll see a little more action out of this upcoming season. Now, the final, final update I have here was uh, posted about an hour ago, maybe two hours ago, um, to the Shanghai Dragons Instagram, and I'm sure I could have found it on Twitter, but I have it on Instagram here, and it reads, welcome to the party, our newest pickup, Molly, is here. Um, so again, you know, Molly, a support player coming up from Contenders, I don't know too much about him, but I have, uh, again, watched the highlight reel and read just a tiny bit about him. And by all means, uh, a lot of people are touting uh, him in that support role. So exciting to see all of that action happening. Whew, that was quite a bit, eh? I need, to, I need to take a moment to catch my breath here. Excuse me for dropping in. All right, and with that, that brings us to the end of our show here. Uh, that was, of course, episode 26 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. As you just found out, we are an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch, and of course, a large focus on the Overwatch League in particular, all of the movement going on in the offseason right now. I'm your host at Sir Dr. JM, that's at S-I-R-D-R-J-M, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and all those fun services out there. Uh, go ahead and give me a follow there, reach out to me, I'd love to interact with people, um, I'd love to you know, bring questions on the show and, and talk about anything you'd like to hear me talk about. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go give us a follow there, leave a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Now, of course, I also wanted to highlight once again that this week um, I will be featured on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, your premier source for all things Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans. Um, they were, as I mentioned at the top of the show, kind enough to welcome me onto the show in a segment they call The Meta, where they talk to fans about the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Um, our episode, of course, we leaned a little more into the Vancouver Titans side of things, just given that I am closer to the West Coast than I am uh, the Toronto base. Um, so go seek out Ready, Set, Pwn as well. Give them a subscribe, give them a follow because they're a great uh, place and they have a great community going that I am happy to be at least a little bit of a part of. So with that, I am Sir Dr. JM. This was episode 26 of One Man Watchpoint and we will catch you guys next week.